This is a big day for me, Brad. Why is that, Chris? <laughs> because I just made a a good friend of mine watch one of my all time favorite films. <laughs> uh, which film is hey, that? Hey, everybody! Chris? Welcome to HPV. <laughs> we watch bullshit. Uh, I, I'm Chris, and I'm Brad, and today, hmm. Robocop Mm-mm-mm. 3. Mm-mm-mm. Ah, dude. Savor the moment. Robocop 3. I gotta tell you, I didn't hate it. No. No. Uh-uh. It's really good in I, a certain kind of way. I did have some head-scratching, questionable moments. Moments that um, I do recall, um, you know, either being really annoyed or really confused by. But uh, That'll happen. Yeah, but that'll happen. And... <laughs> For what this is, for what it was, uh, granted, Peter Weller uh, was a no-show for this one. He was absent. Yes. but uh, And it's part of the reason that people tend to hate RoboCop 3 is because it is not Peter Weller. Well, the reason it shows is in the physicality. It's Robert Burke, right? That's the guy's name? Mm-hmm. And, um, Something like that, anyway. There are times when he's conscientious that he's robocop and he moves stiffly and kind of jerkily and there are other times when he kind of forgets that he's robocop and he's just kind of moving like a regular guy and there are parts where he's sassy yeah it's a little weird although that honestly didn't really bother me so much because robocop's always had one-liners kind of but once he legit recognizes that he used to be this former officer named Murphy, I would expect that there would be some sort of um, latent personality, if you will, that would be presenting itself and having the sense of humor and all of that. And I also, I loved that uh, Lewis was in the movie because I forgot... That she was in the last movie, I um, had heard that she basically, um, well, basically that her career had had problems because she had had some drinking problems. And that the um, RoboCop movie was the last one that she had done. But apparently at the time that I heard that, they must have been talking about this one, RoboCop 3. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's great. Love Love seeing her. Mm-hmm. I really do. And all the familiar faces that pop up in this film. You got your CCH Pounder. Man, fantastic surprise. Love her. You got your Steven Root. Which, uh, awesome, awesome. Uh, I, I actually saw um, Oh Brother Where Art Thou about two weeks ago. And, of course, he's the radio guy who first records. He sure that. is. I adore that man in his career. Talk about an insanely versatile actor. Uh-huh. And here he is overacting his tits off. God uh-huh. bless him. <laughs> you got your Daniel Von Bargen. Daniel Von Bargen was... Moreno. Oh, yeah. He was the uh, commander at the uh, cadet school in Malcolm in the Middle. Yes. <laughs> he was also in uh, John Travolta's The General's Daughter. Well, now, God bless him. I can't name anything like you are able to. Uh, good for you. But that guy is one of the prime examples of the actor who has the that guy career. He's been in so much stuff over decades, and God bless him, he's survived this long. He's got a look. You recognize him. You you buy him in whatever he's in, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, that's the kind of career I'd like to have. That would be all right. You got your Rip Torn, just doing his Rip Torniest with the most fantastic mustache you've ever seen. You know, I thought that Men in Black... Uh, did a he did a played up version of his own self? No, 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 nah. He's just doing him. Robocop three is where it's at, baby. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, and yeah, that mustache is a winner. I think he had that in um in um Mars Attacks. <laughs> Didn't he have a mustache like that? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. 
Always great to see Rip Torn. Rest in peace. God bless him, too. And then inexplicably, for a good chunk of the movie, Shane Black is there. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you pointed him out to me. Because, um, you know, when he was in Predator, he had the glasses on and his hair was slicked back. Yeah, so. he was, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, Shane Black was the writer of your Lethal Weapons. Yes. Your Die uh-huh. Hards. Yeah, well, Fresh, did he do Die Hard? I don't think he wrote Die Hard. I, he did Lethal Weapon. I think he did the screenplay for it because it was based on a novel. But I think, because it's based at Christmas time, it's got to be a fucking Shane Black. He might have done an adaptation from from the novel. I didn't think but, that he wrote it. But he, but he was uh, Hawkins, and I believe it was Hawkins in Predator, the guy mm-hmm. who always tells pussy jokes. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and somehow when you see Shane Black in movies, he's always that guy who's like slightly weird, uh-huh. shall we say, and uh, we should probably usually say, dies. We should probably say also Shane Black, writer of Iron Man 3. We just lift, listed off a bunch of his kind of stupid early movies. But yeah, Shane yeah, Black is a... let's not forget his more recent stupid yeah. movies as <laughs> yeah. well. So Iron Man 3. Although that was fun. That was a fun one. It was. Uh-huh. Bradley Whitford shows up in there. Yes. Who's awesome. And um, then we also had appearances... From, um, what's her name from the crossing thing that you were talking about? Hennessy? Oh, uh, J- uh, Jill, not Jill Hennessy. Um, Jane Hennessy? I don't know. The Crossing Jordan. Crossing Jordan. Yep. Mm-hmm. Who, interestingly enough, uh, physically looks almost identical in this movie as she does in the TV series, which took place probably, what, eight years later or something like that? Not a clue. Hmm. Well, anyway. <laughs> I, I'm not real deep in the history of Crossing Jordan. I Me apologize. either. Um, but that child actor who was in there, uh, the girl who loses her parents, becomes homeless. In, Nico? Yeah. Well, is her character's name. Yeah. Have no idea what happened in her career. Any idea? Mr. Fan of RoboCop 3? Um... No, because if you see children in a movie from, like, the late 70s through the early 90s, don't look them up. They're probably dead. Unless it's a name you recognize right off the bat. Like, something bad probably happened to them. Even if they are still alive. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's that's just something I don't really do. Probably wise. <laughs> yeah. Let's, uh, yeah. It's, Let's it's usually real depressing. Stay away from the dark places for the moment. Um, speaking of, RoboCop busts out his jetpack in this one. Fucking right he does. <laughs> man, he flies around in some pre-Iron uh, Man special effects technology uh-huh. that actually looks pretty passable. Uh-huh. And he blows up a tank. <laughs> and mows down a bunch of stormtroopers to Dude. the delight of the town folk. Okay, let's put this into context, okay? <laughs> he doesn't just mow down stormtroopers, no. He mows down roughly 20 or 30 members of a street gang. Oh, the splatterpunks. <laughs> yes, splatterpunks who are, uh, you know, depicted as being psychotically violent and... Um, you know, a real problem for the neighborhood, but they get recruited. They look like a gang from the Warriors. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Let's just call it what it is. The Warriors was probably a heavy influence on it fucking the, rules, dude. <laughs> on the splatterpunks, and I love the makeup and all of that. You know, one of the guys um, who is um, being encouraged to throw the Molotov in the one of the early scenes actually reminds me of the guy from uh, Escape from New York who comes out mm-hmm. and says, uh, touch me, he dies. If you're not out of here in 15 seconds, he dies. dies. Right? Yep. All of that stuff. Great fucking scene. And so it was reminiscent of that. So these poor saps are thrown into... They're immediately deputized and thrown into these pseudo-military uniforms and put in front of the actual trained soldiers to be bullet catchers for the Detroit police who have volunteered to help save this neighborhood. 
and RoboCop just comes in and the mows in, them down. The entire war zone stops with the exception of a few random explosions just for effect as RoboCop's whizzing through the air. Yeah, explosions Everybody that stops don't make shooting, looks in the sky and goes, what the hell is that? <laughs> and in flies RoboCop. Right. And then there are more senseless explosions. No idea. No one's firing rockets or missiles uh-uh. or anything. But they're just going off uh-huh. like like it's happening. And to, to reiterate the point, these are deputized civilians. They're not trained for combat. They're just psychotic punks. Who were who, previously called terror. Oh, you meant the splatter punks. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. And he just mows them all down. 20, 30 of them. And everybody's like... You go, RoboCop! Hell yeah! Yeah! RoboCop just saved all of us! Woo! Hell yeah, he did. And the bad guys are like, curse that RoboCop. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, it fucking rules. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's interesting in that it's it's a fun shoot 'em up but, you know, I mean, I will give it this. It makes a lot more sense... Or at least as much sense as some of the stuff that's coming out nowadays anyway. You yeah. know? And the stuff that's coming out nowadays doesn't have a flaming RoboCop crashing through a pane of glass. Dude, the violence... Le- well, it shows blood, too. A little bit. You know? This is PG-13. Another reason why a lot of people don't like this movie. Because it doesn't have the graphic, horrible violence of the first two. Because, obviously, man, we go through, over RoboCop a lot on a, this network. But, uh, yeah, the first one, Paul Verhoeven, yeah. very much a satire yeah. on uh, the militarization of police and corporate infrastructure, what have you. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Just as a side note, because uh, as we were um, kind of talking about as the movie was going, you saw some of that satire... In RoboCop 3, only those moments were actually kind of almost few and far between, so they almost felt a little bit awkward. That's but when they worked, they really did work well in the context of the whole movie. And that's what I'm saying is that like in the first RoboCop, uh, he is made to kind of look like a ridiculous hero. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, like He just looks they like really a They really play shit. into the outlandishness of the but, world. It's, yeah. it's like the Jaws sequels, man. It doesn't get the benefit of being able to skate by on that satire again as far as the progression of the RoboCop series. Mm-hmm. It, they kind of have to take it at face value and make him a hero. And in well, this one, he's as much of a hero as you could possibly ask for. He shoots his way through two doors, Brad. Well, he does more than that. I mean, he blows the ceiling off of the cop car. So that uh, yeah, I guess can... that's not a door. I guess he made two doors. Well, yes. Okay, so then in that sense, he, he actually sh- he made three doors because he blasts through a, a wall. No, I mean, he does. Yeah. I, I like when he shot through the first door because he actually made like this little sort of um, uh, uh, extra space at the top. So his gun could fit through. Because his gun was just slightly taller than his head. And somehow he knew that he'd need this extra little loop on the, on the door he made. It was, it was really yeah, good. You need room for your gun. I mean, see, but that's the thing. Is that I'm not really like... This, uh, this is a movie I can't be mad at. Yeah. It's bad. I, I will say it up and down. This is a bad movie. Yeah, I mean... But, but in a so- lot of ways, it's it's like a comic book movie to me when comic book movies were really, um, and you brought this up earlier, there wasn't really the, the graphic effects. There wasn't all of the, you know, CG, all the green screen. So they're really doing stuff like him being on fire, going through the plate glass window. They actually rigged a stuntman in the RoboCop suit, set that poor bastard on fire, and made him walk through a plane of glass. Now, granted, it had the charge, so it broke before he went through it. He was able to go through it, no problem. Still looks fantastic. They did it for real. 
And let's not forget that uh, usually if you're going to set somebody on fire, you can cover them, but you have to tell this man, hey, but your mouth is still going to be exposed. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> you still have to look like RoboCop. Exactly. Now, they would have done uh, this by having literally probably slathered a good quarter inch of flame retardant uh-huh. over his mouth and chin and everything, but... As one who has been set on fire in similar fashion, none of that shit is comfortable. <laughs> none of it. None of it. And that flame retardant gel goes over your entire body. Before the suit goes on, you, you lather up in this gel, and it has to be ice cold. has to be cold because that, for whatever reason, helps with uh, the retardant factor of the flame burning through and, and getting you. Right? Yes. So you put this retardant gel on, then you put the suit on, and then you put on your costume and everything. And then after that, they would have gelled up his face, meaning that guy would have had a good hour, hour and a half of discomfort in costume, in squishy gel, in weird... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Because it's so, not just part of him. He is full body set on fire. He had to get exactly. his entire body slathered full down. Full body set. Yeah. So it's an impressive stunt, and it's just one of many impressive stunts because they did car crashes. Oh, they have, tons of car stunts. Yeah, uh huh. Really, and again, hats off. It's one of the reasons that I love movies like this. You know, um, sure, questionable moments, but the questionable moments always come from the script. Mm-hmm. Comes from the script, not from the. In this case. Not from the action, because they actually thought about what they were doing with the action sequences, and and, uh, that always makes them better, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, it's a lot of fun, dude. Yeah, and that's what this movie kind of reminds me, and it hits me right, right in the nostalgia, I guess, because it does remind me of being a kid and watching like gremlins or watching something fucked up. They're like, <laughs> is right on the like edge of being okay or not for a mm-hmm. kid. Cause yeah, again, this is PG 13. This was clearly marketed to kids at this point. Oh, sure. Robocop toys and video games and all cartoons oh, well, man. and shit. The minute he puts on the jetpack is that's another toy uh-huh. right there. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, just, it's that certain kind of insanity that you had in like movies marketed to kids around mm-hmm. in that like good 10 year gap until about like 95 mm-hmm. then they started to clean it up but like yeah we well got, like stop being so overt maybe in in that this is just designed to sell toys yeah 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 it hits me right in that like Making me feel like a little kid just watching this bananas ass movie that has tons of guns and explosions, and I could imagine just sitting there at six years old going, "Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah." I mean, the cool—it's a factor real feel-good just... movie. Well, the cool factor is just uh, elevated in some way because, like, you know, the other thing is is that there's not really the um, the cheap go for the feels moments like there's no um there's no let me let me let me explain because we can always argue that there are but what i mean is like there's no puppy that suddenly runs out into the street and oh my goodness no we gotta save the puppy from the tank that's obviously gonna squash it you know so we gotta run out I would save the puppy. Disagree with you twice, and I can cite both examples. Okay, go. Go ahead. When Robocop gets to the church and he sees all the people huddled down and then mm-hmm. stands up to the OCP officers. Okay. Now. And there's also the part where Robocop tactfully lies to a child about her parents being dead and then strokes her hair. Okay. All right. <laughs> Him being a monstrous metal cyborg, of course. Petting a child. Well, okay. <clears throat> While I accept those as uh, as examples of what would be, um, let's say, unusual behavior or something like that, it is still, I argue, not as overt as, oh my goodness, look at this cute little puppy suddenly being threatened by this horrible, terrible, you know... 
monster, machine, whatever the hell, and then the hero has to go and do the dash across, like even in the goddamn Batman movie, when the SUV crashes into the church, and that dumb rich kid is just standing there as this thing is barreling down on him, and Bruce Wayne jumps and grabs the kid and yanks him out of the way, right? There's no cheap, real cheap moment like that, because in the church, when he's doing his whole... Even as odd as it is, they show this rationalization of his computer brain going through his rules of what he can and can't do and yes. all of that. And so you see like this sort of moral battle with his uh, Murphy self versus his programmed rules self. And what does he decide to do? Protect these civilians against these. So I'm willing to buy that. The other one... As creepy as it is, I'm more creeped out by the idea that there's this adult with this strange girl choosing to sleep on his lap. Now, on granted, his, on his cold metal legs. I was just gonna say, <laughs> granted, it is a cold metallic surface, so God knows why she'd want to sleep on that anyway. But here he is, as an adult man, saying, No, there's nothing strange about this little girl sleeping on my lap. In fact, why don't you give me a few more minutes alone with her while I sit and stroke her hair like she's some sort of puppy or something. I mean, it was just truly bizarre to me that this was, okay, somehow this is a tender moment, you know. But I will still say that that was not played for cheap feels. That was actually an attempt to try to show some sort of bonding between this these two characters in a father-daughter sort of way. And uh, and in that regard, I just say, you know, um, there were other things in the script that really kind of made me go, what the... as well. So, you know. There are two suicides in this movie. <laughs> and man, dude, those suicides are the best. The first one, the first one is the a husband woman pleading with her husband on video phone not to kill himself the video is facing us so we can see her on camera and she's literally like are you still there i mean it can't be that bad and while she's saying this out the window we see he's opening the windows he's stepping out he's getting ready to jump to his death as we all remember when the stock market crashed in the 20s, everybody was famous on the stock market for jumping out the windows. Uh -huh. Why? Because the suicide clause in the insurance package meant that they had to pay to the family. So, it was the suicide clause got taken out after the stock market because everybody jumped out the window and the insurance companies lost a shitload of money, right? Uh-huh. So anyway, that's what all of this... Uh -huh. is. So... So she's there going, just, it's okay. I'm sure it won't be that bad. And, and just like trying to plead and rationalize as he literally just leaps out of the window. We're shown a street level shot of a limo pulling up and his body just <laughs> rocketing toward the ground from the heavens. A loud thump and then Rick Torn gets out of the limo. Yeah, and everybody kind of does. Oh, a, no, or is it? No, it's the samurai, isn't it? It's a samurai. Oh yeah, and we forgot. There's a samurai goes, robot. In this yeah, movie there's too. a robot samurai. There's not just one of them. There's two of them. <laughs> three, technically. Yeah, three, <laughs> three. Yeah, this movie rules. So, so yes. uh, yeah, and that's the first suicide. So it's and it's that same. That scene harkens back to that dark satire that we were talking about that was in the first one. That mm -hmm. when it works, it's solid gold. And that that's a perfect example of that kind of um, darkness about the world these people actually live in, you know. Um, the second suicide, remember the second one? Oh, Brad, I have seen this well over 30 times. Of course I do. So it happened off camera, which I was kind of surprised about. Bradley Whitford and Johnson are walking through the hallways, and mm -hmm. this is right before the man jumps out the window. Mm. Bradley Whitford says, yeah, I'd sooner shoot myself. 
So he walks into the boardroom with Rip Torn. He is fired. He pulls out a gun in front of the man who just fired him and then quietly leaves the room to kill himself off screen. I did not catch that foreshadowing that he said he would rather shoot himself. Uh huh. I actually, I was surprised when he pulled out the gun. I was like, oh shit, is he going to turn around and shoot Rip Torn and just say it's my company now or, you know, some sort of odd gangster move that you'd expect to see in one of these shitty movies these days, you know? But, uh, but no. No, he makes a quiet, polite exit and yeah. goes and blows his brains out in his office off screen. Yeah, and the executive who was walking through the office with him just yeah. sees him pull out the gun. Doesn't say a word. <laughs> no. Just watches him leave. Johnson just watches him, watches his presumably longtime friend and colleague off to go shoot himself in the brain. Says nothing, strategizes with Rip Torn. Jumps a little bit when the gunshot goes off, but hey. Yeah, he winces a little. But. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, at least he gave an afterthought to the condition of his friend. And hey, it freed up some money in the company. Well, that's true. God knows. Like they say with um, with um, the guy, the turncoat guy, it's like, well, too bad he's dead, but now we don't have to pay him. Uh-huh. You know, so it's, it's practical corporate ethics in action. So, I think one of my favorite characters in this is McDaggett. McDaggett. McDaggett's the best. Another British bad guy. Oh, wait, no, he's not British. He he's... is Australian. Oh, God forgive me for not recognizing the bad British guy's accent. <laughs> Yeah, so now he's Australian. He he is a man who has to play a cartoonish bad guy and plays it completely straight, and it's amazing. He's got some of the best lines, too. I mean, as a bad guy, he's... Your ninja was supposed to keep RoboCop off my back. <laughs> I will have these streets clear by 6 a.m. Give me 50 of your men. Yeah, it's something like that. Give me 50 of your men and I'll have these streets clear by 6 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> and at the scene of the church, when uh, RoboCop uses Lewis as a human shield, <laughs> when she says, you'll have to go through us first, and he says uh, something about, like, I I I'm okay with that, and just yeah. pulls out the biggest fucking gun you've ever seen. Yeah, and then blasts the hell out of her, and can we, can we just... Pause for a moment and recognize the sentence when RoboCop uses Lewis as a human shield. <laughs> yes. Because he did. Uh-huh. And I mean, it was one thing. Lewis steps in front of him to, to berate the Aussie bad guy uh -huh. and say, you'll have to do it over our dead bodies. Now, admittedly, when she stepped in front of him, I was like, oh, that's kind of kind of a badass thing to do clearly she's feeling brave because robocop is there and then the bad guy literally says yeah i'm fine with that and starts reaching for a gun and robocop does nothing, nothing. absolutely i was shocked i mean lewis and once again god bless practice could have just said get behind me lewis yeah put out one of his big arms and, and just kind of moved her behind, you know, and just said, excuse me, or whatever the horrible quips are that they gave him throughout the movie, because they make him quippish as hell, and they're all bad. They're all bad. Everything they're he amazing. says is bad. <laughs> but, no, instead, and once again, hats off to practical effects. These are real squibs she was wearing, and she must have had at least 10 or 15 on her legs arms chest all over the place pop 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 they blow the shit out of lewis mm -hmm. that shocked the hell out of me that yeah. shocked me i didn't think did not think that they would kill her no and robocop has the uh his fourth rule that he cannot directly attack any attack any ocp officers, officers right so instead of attacking them directly he starts the confrontation by just shooting at their feet yeah uh-huh yeah, and the Aussie bad guy literally, to his credit, just stands there. Like, yeah, he I'm not it. impressed. Yeah. I'm not impressed at all. 
Which, you know, honestly, if the bullets are ricocheting that close to the feet as they were into the movie, then they probably would have hit his legs or something, you know. They had to save his legs for later. Well, yeah, so they could be barbecued off. And I was still disappointed. They didn't really show any, any, like, burnt pant legs or bare legs with the socks and the shoes, you know. Like a really good sort of cartoon burn should, should be, you know. I would have liked to have seen that. We didn't quite get that shot. But he still got torched and had to fall over. And for some reason, crawls over to the bomb. I don't know why. Because it's a movie. Yeah, they always crawl towards the bomb. Like they're going to somehow stop the clock. You know you're not going to stop the clock. No, you're just man. not. No. Uh-uh. So yeah, this movie ends by RoboCop heroically just burning the bad guy's legs. <laughs> saving then, two people and then letting an entire skyscraper explode. And that, yeah, okay, so... The blast will vaporize anything within 60 yards. Uh-huh. 60 yards, 180 feet. Uh-huh. Your house is larger than 180 feet. Okay. What's, what's the problem here, Brad? <laughs> An entire sca- skyscraper gets vaporized. Uh-huh. An entire four or five floors of an upper skyscraper gets gets vaporized. The upper floors of the sky. So, I I don't think the bomb is that powerful, I think, is my point. It looks spectacular in the movie, but it it don't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense. So, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) And just enjoy the boom boom? Okay. All right. I mean, I'm going to use the same logic as RoboCop 3 does when you ask questions and say, shut up. (laughs) That's why. (laughs) Well, let me put it this way. Uh... In answer to your question of people dying and everything in the building, I don't think they would have died if it actually maintained the radius that bad guy bragged that it would have. But given that 10 floors fell in on each other, uh, there was probably some property damage that went beyond that, and RoboCop might have been able to do that. But the weird thing about it to me was he flew out from the inside of the building and somehow flew outside. Mm-hmm. They didn't show him like actually go out one of the windows that was... No, he just smashed through that window with that woman and little girl in his arms being cut to ribbons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he flies into them at nearly full speed and says, hold on, you know, yeah. and he basically might have hey, robocop ain't superman <laughs> he's gonna cut those people right in half oh man you know so so anyway um then again it's a comic book movie you just take it for what it is you know there are too many points where all right so let's just circle back and compliment if we can for a minute cch pounder uh steven root mm. yeah as bertha one of the leaders of the um freedom freedom what warriors it doesn't matter the yeah freedom fighters trying to save their block even though they live underground yeah and um they sure do well surprisingly she dies earlier than i thought she was gonna die yeah she dies with like 20 or so minutes left yeah uh uh-huh and i honestly thought that she would have been one of those women fighting um we would have seen her fighting to the end you know but um but uh, still, uh, great early performance from a fine actress. I love CCH Pounder. She was in uh, The Shield also. Mm-hmm. And uh, a, a number a number of great performances in, in great things. So um, She was uh, the detective in the 1999 classic End of Days. Yes. Featuring Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> As he yes. fights the devil. Oh, God bless those. We should watch that one, too. We already did a podcast about that one. Oh, you did? Yeah, we did it for Horror Bob. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. I had six pages of notes. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so that, few. Really? That movie's incredible. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. So, here's another thing that people kind of don't like about this movie, which I'm kind of fine with because enough bananas-ass shit happens. Hmm. RoboCop's not in it very much, and when he is, he's kind of getting the shit kicked out of him a lot. He's broken for a good portion of this movie. Well, 
You, well, okay. Here's the thing, is that um, in terms of what they were doing with the world building and, and who he is as a character and all of that stuff, right? If this had been the first RoboCop movie, I would have had a problem with it, you know? But because of the way that um, they wanted to set up, you know, the neighborhood and the people and the freedom fighters and, oh, we got to get this girl literally orphaned and entirely on her own, you know. Mm -hmm. And we have to give people a reason why to give a shit about this orphan and all of that sort of stuff, you know. Um, so as ham-fisted as some of those scenes were, I mean, remember I said... Wow, we just jump right into this because here here are the super bad guys clearing out a block right in the first scene. Uh-huh. You know? So it's not like we were left without action or story or something like that. We didn't really dwell too much on um you know, long exposition scenes about corruption or politics or or whatever the hell. It moved along fairly well and as to him getting beat up I mean, dude, part of the reason you watch RoboCop movies is to see this guy get his ass handed to him. I mean, this, let's this, be honest. This you know? lumbering, metallic corpse. <laughs> yeah. I mean... With a gun. <laughs> we saw him set on fire, go through a window. And I know we've talked about that. That's the, I know I'm bringing this up again, but I mean, this is the kind of abuse that we watch these movies for. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Uh, so at the church, let him get his ass handed to him. At the church, McDaggett shoots him right in the chest with a grenade. <laughs> that was beautiful, man. And he just man. falls over yeah, like a big lumbering asshole. Yeah, and then he's got this burn in his chest uh-huh. where the grenade is just sort of settled in. And is just smoldering there in his chest for like a solid 30 seconds as the scene continues through. The the robot samurai beats the shit out of him. Man, okay. Here's another instance (laughs) where I had a little bit of a problem. I know, but I had to bring it up because it's funny to watch RoboCop get the living shit kicked out of him by a samurai robot. Hey, I loved the Sauron finger cut. Okay. Now, I swear... Peter Jackson probably saw RoboCop 3 and was like, you oh, know I, what? I guarantee Peter Jackson gonna... saw RoboCop 3. How did a seal door cut, cut Sauron's hand in a way that got the rings off? I know how he did it. <laughs> Just shot that, did the same thing, and, um, and that was cool. I mean, uh, seeing this sort of uh, skill and all of that, but then he goes and he cuts... The rest of the hand off. And he like cuts Robocop's arm off at like the elbow. Yeah, and then somehow he's able to attach his gun like the attachment for the gun was still there. I was like, wait a minute, I thought the samurai cut that off. After he gets knocked on his ass again, yeah. All he does is have to reach over and grab his rocket or his grenade launcher. It was almost as um It's very convenient. (laughs) It yeah. Okay, that's it, is that it was, like, I, the comparison that keeps popping into my head, right, is in Raiders of the Lost Ark, where the guy is swinging the sword, and then Indy just pulls his gun and goes, pow, and then just, like, I'm not, I don't even have time for this, you know? Uh, that humor worked there in that moment. In RoboCop 3, it's like, wait a minute, that's all you had to do? Was just oh. line up one bullseye and uh, and that's it. This, this it, it reminded done. me of uh, Invasion USA at the end where Chuck Norris just pulls out <laughs> the, the other rocket launcher to blow the bad guy through the window. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, it just kind of reminded me of that. Like, oh, well, here's this gigantic gun. I guess I'll use this. Boom! Fight over. Well, now, okay, what... It doesn't matter. <laughs> We're not going to sit here and dwell on Invasion USA. Well, no, I actually I started to think about the other um, Arnold Schwarzenegger movie that he did with Jamie Lee Curtis. And didn't he kill the bad guy by like attaching him to the nuke or something like true that? True Lies? So, yeah, True Lies. So the guy like rides off. Oh, he puts him on a rocket? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, that's it on the plane. Yeah, they're fighting off on the, on the jet yeah. for some reason. Because <laughs> you want to talk about a movie that's got some bullshit in it, True Lies. We should watch that one, dude. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that's that's what had popped into my head. Mm-hmm. Anyway, man, the way that we're introduced to this samurai, there are so many times. All right, I want to back it up and just make a more general statement and then mm. i want to focus on a couple things there are so many jarring cuts in this film yeah where you just oh, go what yeah. the fuck yeah uh-huh and yeah wh- the first time that we meet the samurai <laughs> he's just sitting in this room yeah like steaming and meditating with a sword on his lap yeah in one of the most bullshit meditative posture poses that you see in in a movie like this He's there in, in the center of this room on this Diaz that apparently is designed specifically so he can meditate while he holds his sword edge upward specifically. It's not laying flat in his hands. No, the sword rests edge upward, prepared for violence. <laughs> and there is no it thought is that so runs, dramatic. There dude. is no thought that <laughs> runs through your head except what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, we we. Are remiss in mentioning the the most specific part. His shirt is off, and somehow he is just flexing. Oh, you know, and he is glistening. Yeah. Uh huh. (laughs) Oh man, it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful, completely bullshit Uh (laughs) posture. (laughs) And at this point, we don't know that that's a robot. (laughs) Looking back on it, why is that robot steaming? (laughs) Well, you know, the weird thing is is that you never really overtly have him referred to as a robot. It's just kind of sort of comes out in conversations that... In combat, because the dude hits him in the jaw with a pipe. (laughs) (laughs) We learn mid-fight that this fucking thing is a robot. Dude, that jaw effect was pretty sweet. It's rad as hell. Really pretty sweet. Oh, and if you compare that with the dislocated jaw in the Moonlight Pilot, Moon Knight Pilot, that's on Disney Plus, episode one, they do a bit with... um, Don't you dare bring up Disney in my home. (laughs) Well, I'm sorry. The only reason that I bring it up is that they literally do a dislocated jaw gag that looks very similar, but of the two... The better looking one is this one in RoboCop 3, oh. which was made when, I remind you? Um, or remind filmed me? Filmed in 91, released in 93. Okay, so something that's, what, 20, uh, 30 years old? Yeah, almost My 30. My God, 30 freaking years. And the effects still hold up better than what that schlock is coming out now. So just want to point that out. And who... Who is in charge of the robot samurai? Mako. Mm-hmm. God bless Mako. Uh-huh. I love seeing him. Mm-hmm. Love seeing him. When I saw he was in this movie, I was like, oh, this is a quality movie. You didn't tell me we were watching a quality movie with Mako in it. Okay. <laughs> yes. All right. Only only the best of the best here. Exactly. 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 So, you know, I mean, overall... I can see why you like the movie, and I really I don't have any major issues with it. Sure, it's got some plot point issues, and maybe there's some editing issues, but there's also brilliant editing things like the cartoon. The cartoon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The cartoon into the news segment. The cartoon of uh, Johnny Rehab yeah. beating the living shit out of these splatter punks that are picking on a kid uh-huh. directly yeah. into the news report. The first line, three nuns and five clergy dead. <laughs> and what the showing, fuck? <laughs> and they're showing a dead nun with blood next to her oh. on the ground. And they said, this is a disturbing video. And it says recreation on it. And then there's RoboCop's boots. which <laughs> Murdered by RoboCop. Which immediately the news broadcaster says, this is bullshit. Yeah. And quits. <laughs> yeah. Which, again, nice sort of even almost plausible moment of uh, 
not quite breaking the fourth wall, but kind of saying, look, there's bigger picture, bigger world building stuff happening here. Yeah, there is a you private know? company taking over a portion of our city. Yeah. And, like, we all know what's going on. I'm not reading this anymore. This is bullshit. Yeah, I will not participate in this this propaganda whatever. You know, uh, I'm... And, of course, this is me just reading into subtext and making up subtext, but basically someone who's like, look... I came here to read news, not do propaganda stuff, so I'm not reading this, I'm out, I quit. Mm -hmm. You know, is basically what the scene is. And it's interesting because, again, there's no preaching at all. Everything I said there was was all not in the movie, you mm -hmm. know. But you get that kind of a, a thing just from that moment. So, you know, there's plenty of stuff in this that really holds up in terms of, like, carrying the story forward, you know, keeping things interesting. I dug yeah. it, man. It's a little cop kissy. <laughs> Dude, it's... I'll, I'll give it that. What are you going to Because we got do? to watch Reed cock a shotgun and say, let's show them how real cops kick ass. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, one of the interesting things about it is that... Um, it makes me go, hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you're a you're, uh, true blue blood, blue lives matter guy through and through all the way, oh, so... You get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> so, what I will say, though, is that it's interesting that they took that approach by making sure that you understood that the real bad guys were these sort of mercenary police who somehow wore a badge but were still tangential to real cops. Yeah, and this and, corporate entity that is taking over everything that has its own military. Yeah. Because in the uh -huh. scene when the cops quit, it's obviously played for comedy, but Johnson, the last thing he yells is, think about your retirement benefits! Right. And the right, whole right, time, right. they're kind of pushing that down your throat of just look at these corporate shitbags that don't care about anything. What? Anything but money. And right. I mean, right, it's, right. it's not even subtext. It's very much text. Yeah. There's not much subtext. They don't leave a lot in the shadows. Well... And that's, again, where I think it's clever simply because it's, it's the line, think about your retirement benefits, which, again, encapsulates with that one line everything that you just said. Mm -hmm. Without having to go into all of those details, you see it right there. You understand what they're talking about in terms of the, the difference between these two two. Uh, representations of law enforcement, you know? Well, the one's not even law enforcement. It's Johnson. He's the corporate interest versus... Yeah. The, yeah. It's basically the rich versus the poor. Mm. The police and their meager salaries finally standing up to the big corporate giants and saying, we're not going to be part of this, which, well, oh boy, did they miss the mark on that, but... See, I wouldn't take it from the economic perspective of rich versus poor so much as the ideological perspective of, you know, you, st you stay in line with, you know, the message of the, the corporate objective, you know, which is fascist, literally. Yes. Versus the more independent um, supporting of the community, serving and protecting ideology yeah. of the law enforcement which is you know supposedly what they swear to when they take the badge right mm -hmm. so it's interesting to see them throw their badges off and say no we're not going to participate in this if this is what you think this badge represents yes. you know so um but otherwise i agree with you 100 percent in terms of what what they're saying with this whole sort of uh disparity in things and it leads to us seeing uh, RoboCop on his jetpack, <laughs> flying around, ass. slaughtering tools of corporate uh, militarism and these splatter punks who wear the armor that does nothing against RoboCop's uh, One of my favorite armor, sequences in bullets, this film, Brad. Guns, yes. Is when RoboCop just walks straight into the police station. <laughs> and the chief looks at him and says, Murphy, don't you know there's a warrant out for your arrest? And RoboCop cheekily replies, yes. <laughs> he actually does. 
Uh huh. He does an inflection in his voice, like yeah, like, like he's naughty. What are you gonna do about it? Yeah. And of course, the desk sergeant does nothing. No. He's like, oh, okay. He says, well, please direct me to the OCP uh, uh, branch of the office. Yeah. Uh huh. Right down the hall there, Robocop. Yeah, the rehab department yes. is what they call it. Yes. Which is just a horrible. I mean, the ir- irony. Of calling themselves the rehab department and they're a bunch of fascists in body armor uh, throwing people out. So, he says, he also says you might want to call the fire Fire department. department. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, And he stomps off down the hallway. (laughs) You'd think that alone would be a red flag, but the staff sergeant's just like, huh, well, uh, hmm, I wonder why. Right? And then Robocop immediately... With the flamethrower, we didn't know he had as an attachment. <laughs> well, because one of the OCP officers says, Hey, you got a light for my smoke? And Robocop says, Allow me. Yeah. Uh-huh. And just torches the goddamn room. And it's incredible. And everyone's like, Oh, shit. <laughs> and, oh, by the way, the room had about 15, 20 people in it when he walked into it. Uh-huh. As he starts torching it, suddenly there's like five people. And then as he continues to torch it, there's like two people he shoots down, right? And then the room's empty. Uh-huh. So he, he was able to clear the room. And fortunately, we didn't see a lot of people die. But it was kind of amazing how the room just magically got empty that quick. Yeah, and he grabs the uh, last remaining OCP officer and says, where's McDaggett? And then we're off to the hotel. <laughs> now, did he really have to burn the whole room just to ask a question? Did he? Yes, yes. he did. <laughs> Goddamn right. <laughs> Say, of all people, I figured you would be the last person to ask me if that was necessary. <laughs> because obviously it was. I mean, it's a, it's a rhetorical question. But so. RoboCop essentially stops a rape like he does in the first one with almost the same shot where his... Uh, Shadow is just cast upon the building. Well, now, what's interesting about this, though, is that um, it's set up that this girl is actually out as an adult entertainer, shall we say. A lady of the night. Yes, because her dad's in trouble and she needs to... Earn uh, some money. Earn some money really quickly. And these two ne'er-do-wells are like, oh, these well, These aggressive got... OCP officers. We got money, baby. Yeah. And so it's not just civilian people. Now, the reason that I want to want to point this out is because in the first movie, he literally comes across uh, two or three civilians. I forget however many. But uh, it's the woman. Mm-hmm. And one or two people are assaulting her. And um, so... It's just RoboCop drives up on the scene, um, saves her from this terrible fate. In RoboCop 3, these are two guys who are, once again, quote-unquote, law enforcement officers just there to do whatever, but they're genuinely bad guys. Mm -hmm. And this girl is like a, a new sex worker on the block that they've decided they're going to break in in their own way right yes so the gray area the morality of what everything is happening now there's no denying they were going to rape this girl this girl was saying no 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 all of this stuff yes and robocop even stops and says she's saying no right (laughs) so i think there's a message there but i mean yeah there still needs to be consent even with sex workers Yes, which is absolutely true. You can't rape sex workers. Don't do that. Yes, you should not ever, ever rape a sex worker, even though you're giving them money. That's not the point. It's Anyway, that's a whole other subject for another <laughs> yeah, day. Yeah, I, I really don't want to get into that. Yeah, well, I mean, whole other subject for actually, another day. Actually, there's not much to get into. Don't do it. There. Yeah. I, I, think we, I think we solved it pretty goddamn quickly. Yep, question covered. <laughs> yeah. Now, to get back to the scene, though, that's why I say it's kind of weird what the setup is because there's, there's all of this stuff that's like, okay, well, um, I get it. 
but it's still kind of strange. Like, is that how rough and tumble dark and everything this neighborhood is? Apparently so. Yeah. So after RoboCop saves her, the last shot of her walking away, she's got this look on her face like she just pulled a fast one on RoboCop and is happy these guys got blown apart. And is she going to go home and and be safe with her dad? No, she's just going to go over to the next block. She still needs money. Yeah. And the look on her face is like, well, I just got out of that one. Woohoo! You know, it's really... Really a nice little mind fuck happening in and that then, whole scene. And then we know? get to see 800-pound RoboCop in an old fucked-up elevator. <laughs> it's yeah. one of the funniest shots of the film. I don't know why it cracks me up like it does. Well, what's funny is that they set it up with um, with uh, the old guy. First of all, the old guy just looks at RoboCop and then is then just gives up the information like, uh-huh. Like he just said the time of day. Yeah, I'm not fucking with RoboCop. Yeah. yeah, I don't care. Go do what you're going to do. So RoboCop goes to the elevator, and as an afterthought, you hear him yelling out, um, I hope you're insured. Oh, well, no. RoboCop says that to the old guy. Yes. But the old guy says about the elevator something like, The door. Yeah, the elevator sticks. <laughs> yeah, uh huh. The door sticks. And so we see elevator. Or RoboCop get up in the elevator, which already is shaky to begin with. And he gets stuck in there like an asshole. The fucking door closes on him. He looks like a jackass. He gets so frustrated, he breaks the door outward. So the elevator's never going to fucking work again anyway. No. If he tries to go up or down, it's going to rip that door off. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So he's taking the stairs from here on out. We know this already. Right? So he gets up there. This movie's the best. (laughs) When they take the time to do moments like that, even though the bit is that quick a setup payoff, mind the door, next cut, he's fucking with the door, right? It works. It totally works. And And that's that's why I can't be mad at this movie. And don't worry, everybody. I know what you were thinking. The oh well, it's a '90s movie. It's got to have a scene where RoboCop drives a pink pimp Cadillac. Yeah, there's got to be pimps in there somewhere, isn't there? Rest assured. God bless. We him. get a very long uh, car chase with a rocket launch or a grenade launcher involved. A lot of grenade launchers in this movie. Well, um, but RoboCop. Cruising around with a gun shoved through the windshield of a pink pimp Cadillac. Oh, not and with and the lights inside. Not just any. Yes, working uh-huh. through all of the destruction. The lights inside completely makes it, makes the whole ride, and it's a Lincoln Continental. Okay, okay. it's it is a true authentic uh, street shark, street machine land cruiser whatever you want to call it both front and back had couch bench seating you could probably fit about six people in there comfortably you could fuck very well in there those those cards i mean there there's a reason that they are the legends that they were because apparently they can take two grenades right to the engine block and continue running. Okay, well, that's a bit of a movie stretch. <laughs> I, I, will, I will admit that, you know. I think the first one probably would have stopped the car. The second one definitely would have. But this one takes, like, what, four, five? Oh, it takes two shots to the engine block. And the way the bad guy gets away is he just throws some money to poor people. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He blows this Lincoln Continental's up so much all of the body flies away but somehow the engine and the frame and the four wheels remain intact and robocop <laughs> so robocop can be driving after this guy in a skeletal broke down lincoln continental which still has the lights flashing inside the cab mind uh-huh. you it sure does. oh my god it's so beautiful and the bad guy figures out the only way he can get away is to throw a wad of cash out in front of these uh, into the street because they drive through a bunch of kids playing street hockey. Yeah. And he just throws money at them. Yeah. And, you know, this just popped into my head. 
my head. Weirdly enough, the kids all have padding. They all have helmets and all of this stuff. It's mm-hmm. like, these are street kids. Where'd they get all of that stuff for hockey? Wouldn't you just be out there with like brooms or maybe one or two has a hockey stick? No, all of them are geared up like they're teams uh-huh. and they're just playing. Anyway, side note, it's interesting little things like that that are throughout RoboCop 3 that make you go, wait, what? hold on wait, a moment. You're not supposed to be that smart. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when you go, oh, that's right. This is just RoboCop 3. I shouldn't be thinking about things. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, this is a real movie. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Holy crap. They just killed Bertha. What is happening in this movie? There are a lot of fucking explosions in here, Brad. Yeah. The practical effects in this movie fucking rule. Yeah. And I mean, they, they again, they thought out the action sequences. They were using practical effects. They had to know what was happening with the violence because the violence led to explosions you know, it led to significant things that you could not simply fix in post with, like, digital wipes or digital overlays or whatever, you mm-hmm. know? So, um, so, I, man, I, I, I cannot say it's in my top five, top ten, whatever, but I can appreciate why you appreciate this movie. Yep. Absolutely. Because yeah. I've said it time and time again, man. Mm-hmm. That in order of quality, yeah, RoboCop 1 is the best, 2, mm-hmm. and then 3. Mm-hmm. But my level of enjoyment of watching them, I prefer watching RoboCop 3 to any of the other ones. And then RoboCop 2, and my least favorite to actually watch, if I'm unless I'm you know Don't sitting down it. and picking it apart. Don't the, say it. I mean, the first one. Oh, dude. I mean... Oh, dude. Yes, it's a better quality movie, but I have way more fun. Just RoboCop is a three. RoboCop three is a movie that I'll just put on. Mm-hmm. I can be doing whatever. Like I've seen RoboCop three probably fifty times. Uh, Got to fold laundry. I just fucking throw on RoboCop three. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect movie for that, and then it's just it, it's worked its way into my heart, Brad. Well, you know, like I say. Uh... I can understand why you you have an appreciation for it. God knows there are bad movies that I can't really justify why I love them, but I do. You know, I absolutely dispute your list of of good movies simply because. Oh yeah, my when, taste is dog shit. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> There's no disputing that. <laughs> the only reason that I dispute this, though, is simply because when I saw the first RoboCop movie, I did not have moments that sort of jarred me out of mm-hmm. my ability to just keep going with what I was seeing, right? Because the way the script was written, the way events unfolded in the first movie, everything kind of flowed. The thing that I didn't care for, quite honestly, was the battle at the end because I thought that there were other opportunities that you could have done instead of just having this shootout with these big guns in this big industrial area. But that's just me personally, right? Uh, All that being said, there's no jetpack in the first one. (laughs) No. You know, that is my main justification when anybody, when I tell them that I love RoboCop 3, the usual response is, oh, fuck you. (laughs) To which I have to respond, no, fuck you, man. It's the one where he gets a jetpack. Yeah. And let's, let's face it. They're samurai ninjas. Yeah. They're samurai robot ninjas. And, you know, when it comes down to him fighting the two ninjas. Oh, it's a real cop out. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge cop out. But there is one brief moment there where it looks like it's going to be really interesting because the one guy, his face gets all messed up, Mm -hmm. you know, and looks like it could be really cool. But then, you know, the big deus ex machina of this little girl who's somehow a genius and, and understands how to reprogram things, even though it was built in Japan and she doesn't even speak the language. Uh But, you know, um... Math is a universal language, I, I guess. Uh, on her 
home pocket computer that she was previously like playing hangman on. <laughs> That's what she uses to hack into the Ed 209. Well, she studies calculus the, for oh, fun. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. You know, so. I mean. Little genius. Yeah, who am I to be, be bad-mouthing RoboCop 3? Yeah. How dare you, Chris? I thought I, you liked this movie. I, I know. <laughs> it really makes me the asshole. <laughs> well, well, no. No, no, no. I mean, this is the thing about fandom, and it's one of the things that um, genuine fans do, is acknowledge the faults of the things that they love and still keep loving them anyway. That's the point of even why we talk about these things, I think. Uh-huh. You know, because there's still good stuff. Yeah. You know? So... This movie's bitching. <laughs> well, that's about all I got, man. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Brad. Yes, sir. What have you huh? got to um, plug? <laughs> At the moment, not a whole hell of a lot. I am uh, still in the midst of revamping the website. Um, I got the graphic designs uh, done and uh, am updating the store with the new designs and then the website will go up, and then I'll be getting back into video production probably by the end of this month. Um, that's 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 the plan at the moment. That's Dope. about it. How about you, man? What you doing? Uh, this. Uh huh. That's about it. No more Hill House. No, that's done. Oh, okay. Well, what's the next horror vomit then? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All it right. de- it depends on when uh, when this comes out. I I don't know yet. Okay, all right. We'll get with James. I okay, man. <laughs> don't you fucking tell me how to do my job. <laughs> I love what you do, man. You, Stay at you it. book you book the guests, then you son of a bitch. No, no, no. I have too many other things that I'm procrastinating over. <laughs> I can't give myself another project. Yeah, I got too much other shit I'm not doing as well. Yeah. Well, ultimately, um, once I start getting materials together um, for the website uh, and the stores that I'm working on now, once those come up, it'll I'll do a, a press release sort of thing, and then um, I'll be spending the rest of the summer either making videos or trying to do something to make some money off all this crap so we'll see how all this goes yeah yeah well brad from the bottom of my heart thank you so much for watching robocop 3 with me it was an absolute pleasure man i enjoyed it thank you thanks for inviting me would you say you like this more or less than battleship (laughs) oh well definitely more all right yeah good deal yeah yeah this was certainly better than battleship battleship was its own infuriating frustrating experience robocop 3 i actually enjoyed and enjoyed much much more yes all right i think that's about it go watch robocop 3 everyone it's it's fantastic yep have fun always a pleasure chris thank you man yep bye everybody bye